the inaugural show of the In My League Fantasy Football Podcast. This is episode 001. I'm your host, Jordan. And I am Joshua Montgomery. We're so excited to be with you guys. Thanks for listening. Look, we created the In My League podcast because we saw a community-sized void in the expert podcasts that many of us listen to. We want you to feel like you're talking fantasy football with your league mates while drinking beer. Not just as a fly on the wall of a room full of experts, but as a valued member of your very own community. This is your podcast, so let's get started. Josh, the 2020 NFL Draft is just a few days away here. Are you excited? Jordan, I can't actually express how excited I am because I do have the number one pick in our Dynasty League Draft. (laughs) And I think that we've spent probably the last six months speculating on if I'm going to take Jonathan Taylor or DeAndre Swift. So yes, I am very excited to see where these running backs land. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Uh, let's dive right in here to the five best running back landing spots. I have Miami Dolphins, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Los Angeles Rams, Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Kansas City Chiefs as my top five landing spots for running backs. What about you, Jordan? I've got Miami, Tampa Bay, LA Rams, Atlanta, and Detroit. Let's let's just kind of break down this, this top five here. We both listed Miami. What about Miami do you think is makes it a good spot? Well, Miami sucks at football. Just kidding. <laughs> but, they're getting better. Um, they're, they're, getting they're getting better. But the reality is, is they have multiple first-rounders. There's a ton of talent available in the first round, specifically with skilled players, Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy. They could draft any of these guys. Mm-hmm. It would be surprising to see the Dolphins not take a running back when they have the 18th pick that they acquired for Minka Fitzpatrick, the 22nd pick that they acquired for Tunsil and for Stills. It would be insane for them not to acquire a running back. And so I think for their their offense to improve, they need somebody who's not going to average 1.9 yards a carry, which is what Kalen Balazs averaged last year, 1.9. And when he tried to be their third down back, their premier like go-to back, he didn't succeed. So it would make sense for them to draft somebody with one of those high picks. Yeah, more like Kalen Barfage, if you ask me. <laughs> We'll just go with Kalen Garbage. Let's see. What what was worse, Kalen Balaj or that joke about Kalen Balaj? They're both pretty great. I mean, what's worse, what's worse is that I actually traded a 2020 fifth-round pick in my Daniel League for Kalen Balaj. And, yeah, that was rough. I, I mean, at least it was only a fifth-rounder. You know, at that point, it's just a crapshoot anyway. Yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, who knows who I would have gotten in a fifth yeah. round in a dynasty, a 12-team Dynasty League this year? Yeah. But Kalen Balaj was the talk of the town last year. And... He didn't do anything with it. Yeah. And so I would be surprised if Miami doesn't go out and get a running back for themselves. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've got, uh, they went out and signed Jordan Howard. And then uh, it's pretty clear that, you know, he's still young, obviously. He still has 24, right? 25, yeah. He still has some value in in that regard that he's he's relatively young, but he's getting to the point in his career where, you know, a lot of kind of those middling, you know, middle aged, as we want to call them, running backs are replaced or highly replaceable because they've shown to their coaches that they can't get the job done. So we're looking at Jordan Howard probably as a goal line uh, in the 20s, red zone back. Um, And then we've also got some incumbents. We've got Patrick Laird and we've got uh, uh, Mark Walton is not there. He is out of the league. Uh, Who's the other guy? It was uh, Miles Gaskin who um, is actually, believe it or not, in the top 10 college running backs of all time for, for yards. Yeah, and he's young, too. He's only 22 yeah, years old. Yeah, he was a rookie last year. So they drafted him last year. Um, it would be a wicked surprise if they didn't take a running back. 
Um, so that, you know, Miami uh, to us feels a lot, uh, feels very similar like a Miles Sanders sort of a situation mm-hmm. in Philly last year. Yeah. Where you've got not just the Jordan Howard connection, but but just the role there where, you know, you, you've got a guy like Jordan Howard who isn't really going to command a workhorse, you know, running back touch share. Um, and isn't really a good pass catcher either. They've got other good pass catchers. Patrick Laird was a good pass catcher. Miles Gaskin was a good pass catcher in college. Um, but we think that, that it's definitely a spot that they can upgrade and kind of have a one-two punch, and we expect whoever they take to be kind of like Miles Sanders where they you know take over that backfield by year two. Yeah, I think that they have to draft a running back that's actually going to be a three-down back. I think that's the biggest thing that's missing in Miami. But I also think that a lot of it has to do, in terms of who they draft, has to do with who they take at their highest pick. Yeah. If they draft Justin Herbert, then I could see them going for someone like Jonathan Taylor. If they draft Tua, I could see them going for DeAndre Swift or Jonathan Taylor. It's really interesting yeah. right now to, to figure out what quarterback they're actually going to draft. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you also had Tampa Bay, right? I do, yeah. I have the Buccaneers on there. Yeah, so um, we got Rojo, Ronald Jones. <sighs> Man. That was a bummer, too. I traded for him last year, too. Yeah. Yeah. I made a really good You also trade. traded for him, didn't you? Let's, no. <laughs> yeah, let's not bring that one up. I think a few of our league mates probably know that trade. Uh, uh, who, who did you trade away for Ronald Jones, Jordan? We're not going to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I do. It's an I emotional do. trauma for me. <laughs> I do have Tampa Bay on there. Um, and Ronald Jones, you know, they just... Posted in another one of the leagues I have, uh, Dynasty League, someone just traded for Ronald Jones' backup. And Can you say his name? No. Dare Ogunbowale. That's a pretty dope name, actually. No. But yeah, Dare, who... So, you're trading for Dare, so Ronald Jones probably doesn't have as much relevancy as we want. Mm-hmm. Um, Bruce Arians' offense did say that Ronald Jones would be a perfect fit. They also just... Do you believe it? Uh, no. And, and on the Sleeper app, they just posted... A little teaser trailer that they're committed to Ronald Jones, but I don't know what that means. Yeah. Especially if you have a high pick and you you have an opportunity to draft someone like DeAndre Swift, I think you'd be you'd be dumb not to draft a running back. Even even a guy like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the third round would be a great fit in Tampa Bay. Someone who's a pass catcher, they're gonna be passing the passing the ball a lot. Yeah. I mean that's just Bruce Arians' mo. So. You know, you got Tom Brady who likes to dump the ball off to running backs, especially pass catchers. I could see Clyde Edwards-Hilaire stepping in in sort of a James White role there in Tampa Bay. Yeah, that would be fun. And I also I also think it would be cool to see Tom Brady with, I don't want to say elite because he's a rookie running backs, but it would be nice to see him with a running back that has potential to be elite in DeAndre Swift. I would yeah. love to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I have Tampa Bay on there as my second landing spot. Out of the top five. Yeah. Uh, who do you have next? My next one is actually the Rams. Yeah, that's what I have too. Yeah, I have them, you know, with losing, obviously losing Todd Gurley. Um, I think they're kind of in this weird transitional moment where they're in a rebuild, but they're they're not in a rebuild. I mean, they were just in the Super Bowl, uh, or Super Bowl runner-up in 2018. And so the Rams really kind of need to take um, everything they can to benefit with Aaron Donald on the team while they can. Yeah. And so before they lose Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald's prime, I think they really need to kind of push for a win now, but also be prepared for what's next. Mm-hmm. And so I would love to see them draft a running back in, in the first round if they could. And they're kind of in this post girly situation where they have Daryl Henderson, they have Malcolm Brown, who's kind of like a touchdown vulture. So they have kind of 
a running back committee, but they don't really have like a clear starting running back. Mm-hmm. Even right now in most fantasy leagues, if you have opportunities to acquire Daryl Henderson Jr. or Malcolm Brown, you're still kind of jumping and you don't know which one to actually take. Mm-hmm. And what that says to me is, oh, it's because they're probably going to draft one. Yeah, I think I think the answer for a lot of people who have shares of Malcolm Brown or uh, Daryl Henderson or even you know John Kelly, who's still there, uh, who a lot of people, oh, yeah. a lot of people were high on in 2018, mm-hmm. um, didn't really ever get an opportunity. That's uh, you know I I think the answer really is to just kind of hold and see what they do in the draft. Um, you know, they, they leaned on Malcolm Brown a little bit last year. They leaned on Malcolm Brown when Todd Gurley was, you know, hurt in the playoffs in the 2018. Yeah. Uh, he can get it done, and they, you know, they signed him to, uh, I think it was a second-round tender or something like mm-hmm. that in, in last off season. Yeah. So he's he's there for two years, uh, this year being, uh, 2020 being his second year of that of that contract. So um, we'll see what they do. Uh, it would, I think it would be a fantastic spot. Daryl Henderson hasn't proven that he can catch the ball consistently. Yeah. Let alone not run into the backs of his offensive line, which is the other problem in LA. That offensive line stunk last year. Yeah, they were after, bad after being a top five unit in 2018. And when you're talking about their offensive line being poor, that's another conversation that we can have. That's why I actually have the Los Angeles Rams as my third landing spot and not in the top two because they only have two picks in the top 100. Mm-hmm. They have the 52nd pick, the 84th pick, and so rolling the dice on a ball carrier may not be the best interest for them, but they're also in this transitional season, like I said, where they kind of need the talent, yeah. but they also probably need to, to develop their protection first. Yeah, they may see themselves in sort of a mock rebuild here, you know, where they've, yeah. got, to, they've got to rebuild some things. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me, here's a take, it wouldn't surprise me if they traded Aaron Donald here in the next couple of years because they're just not there. They're just not there. So here's where we started to... Uh, have a little bit of a difference in our running back landing spots. I've got Atlanta at number four. You've got... I have Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Okay, yeah. So these are both intriguing spots, historically good spots for running backs to be. Yeah. Um, I, I chose Atlanta mainly because Todd Gurley's there. you got yeah. Todd Gurley. You've got Brian Hill on an original round tender, which was like a fifth round yeah. tender. He's he's not the future. He's not the future handcuff. He's probably not, you know, I love Brian Hill. I was touting Brian Hill all last year. Uh, he's he's very athletic, very capable coming out of Wyoming. Yeah. But and he's still super young. He's only twenty four. Yeah. But he's not he's he's not the guy to invest in. He ain't it, Chief. <laughs> he ain't it. Um Ido Smith ain't it. No. He's been he's finished a lot, the first two seasons of his career on IR. Very similar to Kerry on Johnson, but he didn't obviously have the opportunity carry on had. Yeah. Um, and then Cadre Allison, who was a who was a, a fourth rounder last year, who's they used him as a goal linebacker. He had four touchdowns last year, um, which was a surprising total for how, yeah. the amount of carries he got. But um, basically, my rationale between having Atlanta as one of the best five running, uh, landing spots for running backs is Todd Gurley. Yeah. You know, he's you such don't a know what that looks like in and terms of fantasy. That's only one year deal. Like yeah. people who are out there acting as if Todd Gurley is going to be a, a top fifteen running back. You know, is you know, yeah, he might be this year if he can stay healthy. But the Falcons themselves have already hinted at it, at it being a, a committee. Yeah. You know, so what are, what are we talking about here? We're talking about uh, we're talking about you know, Daryl Henderson was going in the first round last year. We're talking about that. Yeah. You know, and this year there are better running backs than Daryl Henderson probably going to be drafted. Much better. Yeah. 
drafted to be to sit behind Todd Gurley and just kind of bide their time waiting for Todd Gurley's knees to tear up again. So. Yeah, and that's inevitable. And that's also why I have Pittsburgh as a top landing spot because the reality is, is running backs in the NFL, the longevity that they have is that the shelf life for a running back in terms of fantasy relevance is gnarly. Yeah. It's so gnarly. Like the top 20 running backs change year in and year out. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that's why I have Pittsburgh as a top five landing spot because they just simply have not looked the same since Le'Veon's holdout year. Le'Veon's holdout year, you have James Conner going off as like a top 20 running back. And it's unbelievable. You think to yourself like, wow, this guy was just sitting on the bench. But the reality is it's just that running back talent is super accessible and super available. Yeah. Even just look at some of the running backs that are still in the free agency right now. You have Chris Thompson. Chris Thompson I love in terms of fantasy. He's still not signed anywhere. There's all of these. Kareem Hunt is a second stringer. Matt Breida is a second stringer. Like when you really look at all of these running backs that are available in terms of fantasy, there's just so much talent. You're probably, if you have a large roster, you're probably rostering multiple backups because they're still putting up reasonably good fantasy weeks. Yeah. And so I have Pittsburgh listed as a top five because I don't think that I see James Conner making it past this contract, which ends this year. He's, he's also going to be a free agent in the summer. I don't think that they, they would be looking to re-sign him long-term, yeah. especially when you have players like Melvin Gordon not getting signed long-term, Todd Gurley long-term but getting moved out. And they also met with Zach Moss of Utah. They met with Florida State's Cam Akers. And so they might be looking at a top level, in my opinion, a top five, top six running back in this draft class, which I think would be good for them. So I have Pittsburgh as my four. Yeah, and I would also add about James Conner. Like, he was injured. all Just just nothing's ever super serious, but just getting dinged and taken out of games. And if you're gonna if you're gonna be the one A you know workhorse running back for an NFL team, you gotta be more durable than that. Yeah. You know he you know in Le'Veon Bell's holdout year, James Conner you know lit up the world, but he also kind of faded late, and then he started last year just just weak. You know he yeah. he, he he was not what what we expected him to be, and. No. Uh, you could kind of view it almost as like a prove it year, mm-hmm. you know, where he had that great year in in the opportunity that was there when Le'Veon Bell was holding out. Um, but last year he had that prove it and he didn't prove it. Yeah. So you know, in the NFL, you got to seize your opportunity. If you don't seize your opportunity, you're going to get replaced. Truthfully, you know? especially as a running back. Running backs, there's not a lot of grace mm-hmm. for a running back. You either perform or you don't. Yeah. That's why players like Kenyon Drake, who were in Miami, didn't perform. Move on. That's why players like Damian Williams, who are in Miami and don't perform, move on, move on. That's why you look at Jordan Howard, who, like we said, is only 25, had an excellent first couple of years, like a couple thousand yard rushing seasons, and was f- super fantasy relevant. But now you don't even know if you're going to draft him. Yeah. And so it's 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 that it's that the running back shelf life is so short. The skill sets that are available in running backs that aren't even signed is so high. Yeah. And so it would be it makes a lot more sense for a team that has limited cap space to go out and sign players that they need as opposed to signing a running back that's going to be irrelevant in a couple of years, yeah. a la Derrick Henry. Yeah. So uh, who do you got for, for the number five running back landing spot? Uh, my number five landing spot is kind of a luxury pick. Yeah. It's kind of that's what it is. Yeah. But I also think that that's a realistic thing. Mm-hmm. I think you look at the Kansas City Chiefs, and they're in a win-now season. I mean, obviously, they just won the Super Bowl. Yeah, they're trying to run it back. Yeah, they're going to run it back. And I, you know, I'm, looking, I'm looking for that six-peat, my friend. I'm a Chiefs fan looking for the <laughs> six-peat. I want him to be – I want Mahomes to be more relevant than Tom Brady, 
by 2029. He yeah. already supplanted Tom Brady in jersey sales just this week. I love that. I love that so much. And so I think, uh, for me, it makes the most sense. It makes sense for them to draft their first premier back since Kareem Hunt. I think that, could you imagine how good we'd be right now, how good the Chiefs would be, and not we, sorry. The Chiefs would be right now with Kareem Hunt instead of Damian Williams. I love Damian Williams, but we have to remember he was an unsuccessful back from Miami. The only reason I think that Damian Williams is fantasy relevant is because he has one of the most electric offenses in the United States and in the NFL. Like, seriously, like it's one of the best offenses. And so it would be cool to see someone like J.K. Dobbins, mm-hmm. in terms of fantasy, get signed yeah. to the Chiefs. I think if J.K. Dobbins ends up on the Chiefs, that's that's a player that you absolutely draft super high. Yeah, yeah, top three at the very least, if, yeah. not, if not 101. Yeah, I think that... It might not be immediate opportunity this year, because Damian Williams, you know, they picked up his option, and, you know... He, and they did, and they drafted... performed well. He had 290 yeah. yards and six touchdowns in three games this year. Yeah, he's, he's played well. There's no doubt that he's played well. I just think my fear with him is that it's Damian Williams. And I'm not saying that you draft based off of name, because you could draft off name and draft someone like Odell Beckham Jr., mm-hmm. and it wouldn't be beneficial to you. However, with Damian Williams, I think that they, they need a premier back to make that offense fully complete and full circle. And I'd love to see them sign somebody that would create the perfect offense. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say, like, I love the idea of the Chiefs taking a, a high-value, you know, high-end running back talent yeah. this year just because they're there this mm-hmm. in this year's draft. Um you have a better shot at landing someone like a J.K. Dobbins in the second, late second round yeah. um, this year, whereas next year you would have to hope that Travis Etienne is available to you at whatever your pick is and yeah. you don't have to reach. Um, I would say historically and philosophically, the Kansas City Chiefs don't place a lot of value in running back. They're not going to go out and draft a running back in the first round. They might not even draft one in the second round. Typically, they take the one in the third. You know, yeah. That's what Kareem Hunt was. Yeah, that's, They passed you know, on Alvin Kamara. They passed on some pretty substantial running backs in yeah. the second round. Because I think Andy Reid, um, this is to your point as well about Damian Williams. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's uh, it's definitely the scheme that helps him. Yeah. But it's also the scheme that helps Patrick Mahomes. Are we devaluing Patrick Mahomes because he's got Andy Reid there? No, I don't no. think so. I think, yeah. But I also think Patrick Mahomes, in terms of talent, is, is vastly different than Damian Williams. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, we're just we're talking about... Speculative, yeah. Yeah, running back is obviously way higher replaceable position than quarterback yeah. it's just that you know you Andy Reid has shown that he he can work with whatever he's got yeah you know he had Spencer Ware going over a thousand scrimmage yards just four years ago yeah right so remember when you were drafting Spencer Ware yeah yeah so if Spencer Ware can do it then Damian Williams can do it then Zach Moss could do it that's true I hate that but yeah. that's true you know yeah Zach Moss could do it I can see that so um that was your number five. My number five was Detroit. Uh, I think Carryon Johnson has proven that he cannot handle a full workload as a workhorse running back. He's yeah. finished uh, finished both of his uh, first two seasons of his career on IR, um, and I think that you know you look at Matt Patricia and his Patriot roots. They're gonna they're gonna find somebody to to be able to to handle uh, the work. If you can't stay healthy. You're not going to get opportunity, and that's universal. And it's you can make the argument. Thing. It's just whatever. Yeah. You know? Well, you can make the argument for carry on. I mean, they drafted Amir Abdullah very high too. Yeah. And they gave Amir Abdullah opportunities too, mm-hmm. and he also couldn't perform. Yeah. He failed. And KJ is a running back that you probably drafted very high. Mm-hmm. He's probably your running back one, running going, back two in he, most leagues. He was going in the early second round of startup drafts just last year. And 
with Carryon Johnson being that high of a draft pick, if you have Carryon Johnson in your league, you're praying that he doesn't get replaced by a rookie this year. Because mm-hmm. there is very high talent there. They also have the third pick. Mm-hmm. They also have a couple. They 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 have a couple of picks in the in the top 150. So it would be ridiculous for them not to go out and reach yeah. on a running back. They need a running back. They do. I mean, they got they have Carryon. They've got Ty Johnson. They've got who else? I, I couldn't tell you. Probably a, a couple of scrubs, just like every NFL team has. Right. A couple of scrubs behind those guys. Ty Johnson showed that, you know, for as electric and athletic as he is, he you know, he wasn't ready to take on a, a role in an no. NFL offense last year. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, you know, that's kind of to be expected. You know, he come from Maryland. You know, it's not like the uh, they're ACC, right? Maryland? I think so. It's yeah, not it's, like Clemson running back. Yeah, it's not like, yeah, it's not like they're up against great competition in that in that conference in college yeah. you know so it, it was a I think it was a bridge too far for yeah. for a guy like Ty Johnson to try and step in and fill those shoes when carry on went down I think yeah. that they need to find someone that they can trust that that is reliable yeah and I think I think you're probably hitting the nail on the head I think with me having KC as my five, a top five like I said it's a luxury pick for me but with Detroit it makes sense and and like I said if you have K, KJ on your team and on your roster, you're hoping that it doesn't happen, but it also might benefit you, uh, maybe not in the perfect situation, but it might benefit you for them to draft someone like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire mm-hmm. and, and and go for a more of a committee approach to their running back system because that's kind of where everyone's going right now is going more committee. It would make sense for you as a KJ owner to be hopeful and maybe even draft that that committee back, and now you have an opportunity to actually like start somebody um, week in and week out, depending on situation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's move on here. Um, this draft class is has been highly touted as being one of the best wide receiver draft classes of all time. Some I've even heard it say that it will be the best wide receiver class of all time, which you know that's that's hard to believe because obviously we haven't seen it. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely deeper than last year's draft class, where sure. where we saw like a handful of guys show some promise uh, to varying degrees. Um, but it's an extremely deep class this year. Uh, it, but it's looking like there's not really your prototypical alpha wide receiver one. There's not like an AJ Brown in this class. There's not um, you know there's not a Calvin Johnson, and I'm not comparing the two. I'm not right. saying there's not a Julio Jones. There's yeah. not your six foot three, two hundred and thirty pound guy running a four four. You know, yeah. I mean, other than Chase Claypool, but he's going to be a tight end, y'all. Yeah, he's going to be a tight end, and you should draft him as <laughs> yeah, a tight end. Yeah, he's going to be a move tight end because he, you know, Notre Dame wide receivers just don't pan out. Um, anyway, uh, if if you're looking for a wide receiver two in this class, you're going to have multiple opportunities to hit. Yeah, like. Probably into the third round of your dynasty rookie draft. And the thing is with fantasy football, if you're draft, if you're in a dynasty league, then you absolutely want to chase down one of these wide receivers mm-hmm. if you can, because they're wide receiver two this year. Yeah. I actually think that there is some wide receiver one talent, but I think it's going to have to simmer a little bit. I think CD yeah. Lamb is a receiver one talent. Yeah. I think the issue with some of these wide receivers like CD Lamb, Jerry Judy, specifically those two, maybe Henry Ruggs. Mm-hmm. I think with those top level receivers, they're going to be forced into receiver one roles. Yeah. Uh, I think that the receiver that goes to the Dolphins, I think they're going to be the be- in the best situation. I think I imagine the Dolphins would use their Minka Fitzpatrick pick 
to draft a wide receiver. I think they could draft Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb. I think all three of them could be available. And that person will be in the receiver two role because Devontae Parker had a great year last year. Preston Williams is coming off of injury. They're probably going to draft a running back. So this wide receiver that goes to Miami, if you're in a fantasy football dynasty, that is somebody that you want to pick up because that's probably going to be the receiver one in the next coming years. Whereas Devontae Parker. They didn't sign him? They, they extended him. Yeah, they extended him, yeah. exactly. And so I'm saying like that could be the situation where this guy becomes a receiver one. Mm-hmm. Even though they extended Parker, if the talent is better, the talent's better, and the, the best talent's going to get the best targets. Yeah, I mean, Devontae Parker was, was a talent coming out. He really uh, he's was. Just, you know, he's uh, the unprecedented year five breakout. <laughs> well, know? can I tell you why I think the year five breakout happened? Why? Because Adam Gase is not the coach. Yeah. That's why. And yeah, that's, that's why right. I think that if you are if, if you are looking to pick up some receivers, that's why I think this draft class is going to be good in Miami. Mm-hmm. But I also think that you need to go out and pick up someone like Robbie Anderson, who's been under Adam Gase for the last couple of seasons. And, and that is why his talent is not showing out. Mm-hmm. That's why he's signing a contract to be a potential second or third string receiver because he's under Adam Gase. And that's why I would also tell you, if you can convince somebody to pick up Rashad Perryman from you, if you have Perryman on your roster and you can trade him for some draft capital or you can trade him for a player that's got some breakout potential like a Kelvin Harmon, I think that you should do that too because Rashad Perryman underneath Adam Gase I don't think will be successful. I agree with your take on CD. I think CD Lamb could be uh, – he could be – he could turn into an alpha. You know, I, he came in very slight. You know, he was like – Six, one, six two, one ninety seven. Yeah, that's very slight. That's 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 not that's not a receiver who can go over the middle consistently in the NFL. No, you know that's not a receiver who can cut back and pick up all those yards after the catch like he did in college without just getting completely obliterated by Jamal Adams. By Jamal Adams. Or like <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that that's not me saying that Ceedee Lamb's game won't translate. I think it sure. most certainly will. He is a phenomenal receiver, very nuanced as a route runner. Um, very he's electric with the ball in his hands. Yeah. He's I hard just, to tackle and he has good hands. Yeah, I just think that he puts on 10 more pounds and he's Devontae Adams. Yeah. Which you would know. be great. Yeah. Um Jerry Judy, um who's number 2 on our list here. Mm-hmm. Uh we're talking about the top 10 wide receivers. Um, I realized we hadn't yet announced that, but uh, Jerry Judy here, um, phenomenal route runner. Therese Paler, I don't know if you know who Therese Paler is. He uh, was the former beat for the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, okay, yeah. And now he writes for Yahoo. Uh, he puts out an all-juice, uh, he calls it his all-juice list of, of prospects. I like that. Yeah, and like it's remarkable, the eye for talent that Therese Paler has. And every year he, he puts out this list, and these guys just break out all over the place in the NFL in the rookie seasons. Wow. And uh, he's got Jerry Judy on that list. And uh, I saw the other day he, he he sent out a tweet talking about Jerry Judy's footwork. And the tweet came with a, had a gif in it where the guy this guy was just like dropping his jaw. And I think that that's the that's the experience that we all kind of feel when we when we watch Jerry Judy's tape. It's just like I remember the first time I watched Jerry Judy, seeing him just stop on a dime at like the five yard line and letting a DB run right by him, and he just walked yeah. into the end zone. I'm like, holy crap! How did he not blow out his knee first and foremost, right. just stopping that immediately? Um, but also like, just to have that presence of mind to 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 know just how to completely own the guy uh, across from you. You know, like, 
I think that I think he's got some dog in him. Yeah, he does. You know, he's yeah, he's six one one ninety two, which is slight. But I think his game for his body type is more suitable to success in the NFL than Ceedee Lamb and his skill set right now. Yeah. Ceedee Lamb's body type and his and his skill set. Um, I think that yeah, Ceedee Lamb's hard to bring down, but I think a year in the in in the, in the NFL is going to do him some some good. And I think they'll probably come out pretty close to even by the end of their their rookie year. Yeah, I could see that too. I mean, when I traded away when I traded four first round draft pick in my in my dynasty league. And when I acquired that first pick a year ago, a year ago, I may have said Jerry Judy would be my first pick. Yeah. A year ago, because I love Jerry Judy, and, and it's it's drafting a wide receiver that high is is a risk, but it's also super longevity. If you don't have a first round, if you don't have a first round pick and you have a second round pick, the tiers at wide receiver are a little bit different for you. Yeah. And if you're looking to draft a wide receiver in that second round, you're not going to probably get a top five. But you might get somebody who's going to break out. Justin Jefferson looked great. And the only reason he's getting drafted in the first round this year is because he killed it at the combine. Yeah. He was fast. He looked like he knew how to run routes really well. I mean, he looked like one of the better receivers in the draft class. He's polished. He's polished. And he's going to fall in your rookie draft or in your – the ADP on him is not going to be very high. Yeah, he's going to be late, late first round. And so you can grab Justin Jefferson in a second round and, and get somebody who's going to probably perform not as well – as Jerry Judy in terms of longevity, but he might put up the same numbers. Depending where he goes. Yeah. I mean, if uh, if the Eagles end up taking a guy like Justin Jefferson, you know, they've got they've got a prospect who's very similar to Nelson Aguilar coming out. Yeah. But probably is gonna be better. Yeah, because he can catch the ball. <laughs> yeah, he can catch the ball. And I mean obviously hindsight is twenty twenty, Nelson Aguilar did not pan out. No, and but now Justin he's in Jefferson, Vegas. Justin Jefferson is phenomenal. I mean, yeah. we're not just looking at counting stats here at LSU where they had the uh, uh, historic offense, probably yeah. the best college offense of all time. Yeah. You know, um, but Justin Jefferson, I mean, he he's a guy. He came out, he was a two-star prospect coming out of high school. He ran a 4.8. Wow. 40. And he brought that down to a 4.8 four or was mm-hmm. it 4.38? I think it was a four four. Somewhere it was around, a four four. That's somewhere around four four. Yeah, which is just phenomenal. To, yeah, that's to, that's booming. That tells you something about Justin Jeff- Justin Jefferson, where coming out of high school, where he wasn't that great of a prospect, he worked his butt off to get to what he is today. Yeah, and if that tells you anything, when he's not getting paid to do that, mm-hmm. what's he gonna do in the NFL when he's making millions? Or and what's he gonna do if he's in a situation in Philadelphia yeah. where you have. Alshon Jeffrey, who's getting older. He's old. He's, he's old. He's 30 and he's constantly hurt. Constantly hurt in his 30s. You have them have, they have JJ, or J Jaw, however you want to call it, Arcega Whiteside. And, and they also have just let go of Aguilar. So there's a huge hole at wide receiver yeah. in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. There's an opportunity for someone like a Justin Jefferson, who has good work ethic, who has talent, for him to walk in and maybe even potentially, and this is a reach, obviously. But potentially being the best wide receiver in this draft class because of solely the opportunity. Mm-hmm. I think that you look at the best wide receiver landing spots, if you have a second round pick and Justin Jefferson is still there mm-hmm. in a rookie draft, or if you're in uh, the later rounds and Justin Jefferson's just kind of floating there in the same camp as pay- people like Curtis Samuel or people like Robbie Anderson, like you could probably take Justin Jefferson got, and be in a, a good situation. Yeah, he's got a higher floor than any of those guys. Absolutely. And I think it would be good to have Justin Jefferson, even if he's not 
a starter, but he's just kind of resting on your bench in a dynasty league. Yeah. You probably wouldn't draft him in a redraft league unless you're you're in the later rounds and there's just not talent available. Yeah. But he's going to be relevant this year. Yeah. Justin Jefferson is going to have a good year. You look at Miles Sanders' year, he he looked electric. One of the best receiving uh, years for a running back yep. in the history of fantasy football. And so what do you think that offense will do with a wide receiver that can run routes, that's fast, like Deshaun Jackson fast, mm-hmm. and can catch the ball? Aguilar was a good receiver. He he was not a he was not a bad receiver. He was bad at catching the ball, yeah. which made him a bad receiver. Yeah, if he, that guy didn't have stone hands, he'd be a decent he fantasy had player. The opposite of the clutch gene. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, you say if Justin Jefferson is still there in the second round of your dynasty rookie drafts. Then you are in a great obviously, dynasty. Obviously, rookie obviously draft. yeah, you you got some some dumb league mates, but yeah. but also like you know, I, I wanted to, to use that and see, you know, what would you say is, is the earliest that you should take a guy like Justin Jefferson? Say he goes to the Philadelphia Eagles, like we mentioned, where there's huge, huge target opportunity. You know, I think that if Justin Jefferson goes that far, I think I could see you drafting him. Honestly, like, if I'm looking at my draft, I have, I have the number one pick in our Dynasty League, and then I also have the 10th pick in our Dynasty League. If Justin Jefferson ends... In Philadelphia, and Jerry Judy's not available. Um, CeeDee Lamb's not available. Maybe players like J.K. Dobbins land in a, a situation like Atlanta or anything like that. Then I might take Justin Jefferson with my tenth pick. Yeah, I don't think that would be un. I don't think that'd be unrealistic. I think that'd be a value pick. Yeah, I think that would be a good pick to take Justin Jefferson at that tenth because if you wait into the second round, you you might miss out on him and have to take a chance on someone like Denzel Mims. Mm-hmm. Which Denzel Mims is also another player that we could talk about yeah, that will be list. fantasy relevant, especially if he gets drafted where he's being projected. If he becomes the Vikings number two next to Adam Thielen and Bissy Johnson, who's not going to be nearly as good as Denzel Mims in my opinion. If Denzel Mims goes to Minnesota, even though that's a run-heavy offense, he's going to get a lot of targets and he's going to look good. Yeah, yeah. So um, I've also seen Mims being mocked to the Packers. Right, which that makes a, sense. Across from Devontae Adams. They obviously have a need for wide receivers there in Green Bay, but um, you know, you, you're looking at Mims, um, his body type. He, he's already what we want CeeDee Lamb to be in terms yeah. of uh, body type. I agree. You know, he's, he's built to be an alpha wide receiver one, and he might be you know, the only one worthy of potential first-round draft capital in Dynasty Rookie. Yeah, I have Denzel Mims compared to Chris Godwin. I yeah. think that he has the potential to kind of walk into a situation like Godwin did where there is a hole at that receiver two position, mm-hmm. and he can walk up and outperform Adam Thielen, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think so too. Um, there is, of course, the Baylor stigma. Baylor wide receivers have not historically panned out very well in the NFL. Yeah. Um, and there's also the system too where, you know, where they throw the ball a ton. But um, we'll see with Denzel. Um what what he can do where he goes. Uh, do you think he's a first-round pick in the NFL draft? I think that Denzel Mims, Justin Jefferson, Jalen Rieger, Jerry Judy, I think they're all interchangeable yeah. between first and second round. I think CeeDee Lamb's your clear number one. I, I think that if the Raiders don't draft CeeDee Lamb, that will surprise me. Mm-hmm. The only thing that would surprise me more is if they drafted a quarterback. But... <laughs> I think that the Raiders will draft a wide receiver. I think CeeDee Lamb's the clear number one draft. 
uh, pick for wide receiver, in my opinion, but I also think that scouts love speed, so Henry Ruggs probably could be the number one receiver off the board. Yeah. But I think when you look at those, that second through five, in my opinion, wide receiver talent, they're interchangeable. Denzel Mims could be in Philadelphia, and we're having that conversation. Yeah. And Justin Jefferson's in Minnesota, and it's it's interchangeable, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah, so uh, you mentioned uh, Jalen Rager, who we completely skipped over at number three here. We went from Judy to Jefferson to Mims. Yeah. Um, we've got Jalen Rager at number three. Um, we think he's just explosive. Uh, yeah. You know, he didn't he didn't see that speed at the combine. He posted like a four five something. Yeah. And um, a lot of a lot of people who were expecting him to run faster didn't buy it. You know, and then he goes in, in, on his pro pro day and. You know he's you know pro days are always favorable to the prospects, but they hold up a four two two four two eight, um, forty time for Jalen Rager. I don't think it's that fast. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I could see him being you know I could see him being a four three nine four four guy easy. You yeah. Know? And he's built like it too. You know, uh, at the combine he was he weighed in at two oh seven at his pro day. That is he, thick. At, yeah. For yeah. For five eleven five ten yeah. something like that. That's I mean, that's. That's a high-level BMI that uh, it's it's gonna do well in the NFL. Um, at his pro day, though, he weighed in at like one ninety-eight. Yeah. So he he cut about nine ten pounds, and then ran two three tenths of a second faster, um, which you know prospects do that. Um, I don't think it matters. I think all you gotta do with Jalen Rager is turn on the tape, and you yeah. see him. I think he can work on his route running, but I think that. Uh, you know, I, I don't like throwing around comparisons to guys like Tyreek Hill a ton because right. he is kind of a unicorn. Yeah. You know, he's an outlier. Yeah. Um, and it's not a good process to project outliers or to, you know, use them as, you know, comparables for players. Um, but I, I watched his game and it's just like, man, he's just beating, beating Big 12 DBs deep all the time, which is not hard to do, to be fair. Right. But the way he was doing it was was eye opening. Yeah, and I think with him, if you're looking to draft him in a dynasty league, I think that you have to view him as like a Christian Kirk, Curtis Samuel type player, who is probably going to be in the receiver two role, but is going to be used as the deep threat. I think that you look at Miko Hardman last year. If you draft Miko Hardman, you love yourself for drafting him in a dynasty league, even though Sammy Watkins restructures his contract. Miko mm-hmm. Hardman's the second best receiver in Kansas City in my opinion. And I think Rager's going to walk into a situation like that where he's probably going to get drafted to a team that does have a semi-clear number one wide receiver. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't think of anything off the top of my head in reality. Mm -hmm. But I think he'll go to a team with a clear number one wide receiver and he'll be the field spreader. He's going to be the person that's on deep routes consistently. And I think that when you have a consistent deep route guy in fantasy – you know that you can't start him every week, but if you're playing one of the lower-level defensive back teams, you're going to start him because the chances of him getting a couple of targets over 30 yards is pretty high. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can see him going somewhere like, um, man, in New England. Yeah, that would bum me out. That would bum me out, too. But at the same time, who do they have that's a deep threat? They really don't. They don't have anybody. Phil Dorsett left. Yeah, well, and Philip Dorsett's garbage. Well, I think I mean, that I say that because he ran yeah. Well, he was relatively relatively relevant in the yeah. last couple of seasons, but I mean, you look at Enkil Harry. If Enkil Harry had someone like Jalen Rager on the opposite side, 
that would be a pretty good tandem. Yeah. Because you'd have a possession receiver, you'd have a deep threat. It'd be kind of fun. Yeah, you need you you necessarily you, you need someone like a Jalen Rager to help Nikhil Harry take off. Yeah. Nikhil Harry does not separate well. No. You know, and that was a problem in college in college at, at ASU, and and it proved last year. I mean, he was injured for a lot of last year, mm-hmm. and he never really got going. Tom Brady didn't trust any of his receivers, so. There was a lot working against Nikhil Harry. He, he, you know, I'm not gonna call him a buy low or anything like that because we just don't know what he is in the NFL yet. Right. And so he's he had a. I'll give him Mulligan, um, but not gonna act like his value didn't drop <laughs> after last year. I think that the Jalen Rager could help. You know, you give the Patriots someone like that. You give him a deep threat. Give him KJ Hamler in the in the third round. Somebody like that um, could help Nikhil Harry a lot. Speaking of deep threats, we've got Henry Ruggs at number six. Yeah, Henry Ruggs, I actually have at nine on my top ten board. Yeah. I think that the NFL, for whatever reason, has him as the number one wide receiver in the draft. Kind of similar to John Ross. Speed kills. Yeah, he's so fast, and he's a field spreader. He's going to go to a team like Miami, who already has a clear number one in Devontae Parker, at least for now, a clear number one. I think that that wouldn't be the best decision for Miami, but I think if they're trying to win games today, which for whatever reason they were trying to win games last year when they could have just lost out and drafted mm-hmm. Joe Burrow. Yeah. But instead they decided to put Fitzmagic in and win games. And I think that you could see Henry Ruggs going to Miami. I think that he'll be fantasy relevant. I don't know if I would draft him in the first round of my rookie draft. I think that I would definitely draft him in a redraft league, though. Yeah. I think in a redraft league he'd be like a Marquise Brown type player where you have him on your roster, you want to play him, you're super ready to play him, but he sits on your bench consistently until he scores a couple of good games. Yeah. I think I think Henry Ruggs is likely to go in the first half of the first round. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think that he's a top 15 pick. Yeah. And I think for, for, for Dynasty, um, yeah, you like the draft capital, but you got to look at the prospect you know, yeah. in, in this case. You know, he's really kind of – he's not – He's not what you're looking for in a first round pick. He's just no. not, you know. And he's one of those players where you let him prove you wrong. You don't take a chance and waste draft capital on him. No, especially if you've got a player like Cam Akers available, J.K. Dobbins, yeah. or even in this any situation, backs, really. Any of yeah, the any of the running backs, Justin Jefferson, I would probably draft over Absolutely. Henry Ruggs, even if Ruggs gets drafted first in the NFL draft. And that's why that's why we're having this conversation about top ten, even if we don't get through all ten. The reality is is that the NFL draft is going to be drafting players that are best for their team, mm-hmm. not necessarily best for your fantasy lineup. Exactly. And so you need to be looking at these players in this top 10, whether it's CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, Jalen Rager, Justin Jefferson, Denzel Mims, Henry Ruggs, or, or the other four or five that we didn't get to, like LaVisca Chanel, T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, Brian Edwards, those guys. you got to look at them and say what situation are they in and are they going to actually produce fantasy points? Because yeah. players like Dorio Green Beckham years ago were drafted very high in the NFL and did not make it very far in your fantasy lineup. I think the next the next best player, in my opinion, on this list is LaVisca. I think LaVisca Chanel, I think he's probably most likely going to end up... I think he'll get drafted by the Saints. And I think, for me, the Saints rarely have a second option outside of Michael Thomas. And in terms of fantasy relevancy, you've probably drafted players like Traquan Smith and Ted Ginn, and you've had those second-tier wide receivers on the Saints. I would love to see LaVisca get drafted by the New Orleans Saints and become some guy that pulls in 20% of the targets. I think that would be really fun. Uh, I think that he's super talented. You've got to remember, if 
if you've been paying attention to draft the NFL draft, LaVisca was like the number two or number three wide receiver on most boards a year ago. Yeah. And now he's not, yeah. but he's still the same player. I think that he still has a super high talent capacity. He, he didn't have a super competitive division in college, but he's a very good wide receiver. And I think that he's going to end up being one of those wide receivers that in your redraft leagues is going to be absolutely available at the end of the day. Yeah. I think that he's going to be available in most rookie drafts in at least the end of the second, maybe the front end of the third round, especially if you have players that are in dynasty leagues with you that are, are high on other wide receivers. I think LaVisca could be a player that you pick up and you're able to stream him in your flex spot at least half the season. Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, with LaVisca, we've got um, we've got to look at his injuries. You know, he's got that chronic pelvic condition, which, um, you know, basically what that means is he has a higher rate of core injury um, within games, which... For an explosive wide receiver, big body wide receiver like that, who's probably going to be going over the middle, probably going to be taking uh, carries out of the backfield from time to time, like he did in college, and taking bubble screens. You know, you know, you need to be able to trust that that wide receiver can stay on the field. And so I think I, I like the Saints as a landing spot for him because I think Sean Payton is a, is a he's a very cerebral coach who knows his players and knows how to use them. I mean, he's. He's given Taysom Hill meaningful snaps, for God's sake. Like he's yeah. gonna figure out a way to use Lavisca Chenault if he has him, you know. And so that's what you're hoping for. If you like Lavisca Chenault, you're looking for a coach who's creative and knows his players. So, you know, the same would be true. Kansas City, you know, even even the Rams, you know, would be yeah. a good good spot for him. That'd be fun. Uh, just just somewhere that where he has a coach that knows how to use him, and like. Gives him gives him meaningful opportunity. You don't want Lavisca Chenault. You know you don't want him out there. He's not the best route runner. You know you don't want him out there running deep crossers all game long. No. You're just gonna aggravate his injury. Mm-hmm. You know and you know yeah he had surgery uh, core muscle surgery this off season uh, to try to correct it but we don't know what that's gonna mean. He he might be redshirted this first year. Who knows? Yeah. You know so um, that's why I have him at ten. Um, I've got guys like Brian Edwards who, uh, Brian Edwards has a, uh, a believe he's probably, probably the record holder for, um, breakout age. He broke out at 17.8 years old. So wild. Yeah. He never had elite, elite production, but he was just consistently, uh, commanding 20% plus of the target share at South Carolina. Yeah. Um, and he did it. With Debo there, which is fun, yeah, yeah. So um, that that says a lot about him. I think his upside is as high as any of the best receivers in this league, but it all comes down to draft stock. Uh, he also broke his foot, Jones fracture, um, yeah. this, this past off season. So um, I think for him, uh, you, you, he needs to go to a spot that that knows how to use him, just like Lavisca. Um, he's a little bit more polished as a receiver than Lavisca. He's a better route runner than Lavisca. Um, and he's been doing it longer than Lavisca, yeah. Uh, just not as at, at high, as high of a level as as Chenault did. Um, then we're, we've got Michael Pittman at number eight. Uh, Michael Pittman's a senior, not an early declare. Uh, Brian Edwards was also a senior. They're very similar players. Uh, Michael Pittman uh, has NFL blood. His uh, dad was yeah. uh, running back Michael Pittman, and um, you know for. Michael Pittman, I think we're looking for someone for for a team that 
it probably uses him very similar, similar yeah, very similarly to what uh, Philadelphia wanted to do with Ortega Whiteside yeah. last year. Um, wanted to use him as kind of that big body slant guy. Uh, wanted to use him as the you know the post corner fade route at the goal line. Right. You know, and Ortega Whiteside just didn't really live up to that last year. Not saying that he's worthless or can't you know become what we wanted him to be, uh, but just to give you an example of, of kind of Michael Pittman's game. Yeah. Uh, and then number nine, we've got T. Higgins. And I understand that's low for uh, that's low for you. Yeah, I have T in top five. I love T. Higgins. Yeah. And I think that he's from a program that has produced legitimate wide receivers in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And I think they've produced legitimate wide receivers that take a year or two to develop. Yeah. And so I have T. Higgins listed in the top five. I think that he'll probably get drafted later on. And I think he'll get drafted to a team that's pretty solid at wide receiver, which would be nice for me to see. I would love to see T. Higgins get drafted to a team like the Texans, who have already kind of developed who their wide receivers are, mm-hmm. um, especially this offseason with Brandon Cooks getting traded, um, Randall Cobb getting signed, Will Fuller maybe healthy. And when you look at that, that is like a conglomerate of who do I draft in a redraft league at wide receiver for the Texans? Who do I draft or who do I trade for if I have Deshaun Watson in my dynasty league and I want to stack? There's no way of knowing. But if I think if T. Higgins gets uh, drafted by a team that has a developed wide receiver core, healthy offense, I think that he could still be in the top five ten years from now out of this draft class. Yeah. Uh, I think he's very, very similar to Mike Williams, other former Clemson wide receiver. Yeah. You know, he, he's good at the vertical routes. He's good at, you know, high-pointing the ball. You, you watch the tape. A lot of a lot of the the winning the wins you know wide receiver wins that he has um, in on his tape are against inferior competition. It's against those nobodies that Clemson yeah. plays uh, that all that all good teams play. You know, yeah, yeah, he's dominating. You know, guys who are who are going to sell insurance uh, someday. <laughs> so like, yeah, it's fun to watch, and it's like it, I don't know. To me, he gives me Hakeem Butler vibes. Yeah, you know where it's like that's that to me. I think is his floor. I think his ceiling is Mike Williams. I think that's fair. That's a fair assessment. Yeah. Either way, I think T. Higgins. I, I would, if he's available in a dynasty league in the third or fourth round of your rookie draft, I'm jumping on that real quick. Yeah. And I think that if I'm in a redraft league, I think that I would have him be my honestly like my four or five receiver, yeah. just sitting on the bench. If I'm in a redraft league with two wide receivers and a flex, I'm going to have T. Higgins on my roster. So let's talk about, you know, to kind of wrap up here. You know, we talked about running backs, and we obviously just spent a ton of time on wide receivers. Um, let's let's talk about kind of our dream landing spots. Um, so let's, um, how about we each give one dream landing spot, uh, one running back landing spot, one wide receiver landing spot. I like that. You want to go first? Yeah, sure. I, I think my dream landing spot for running back, obviously, would be, Cam Akers to Pittsburgh. I would love to see Cam Akers in a Pittsburgh Steelers jersey, and I would love to see him take over that number one running back role for James Conner. I think that Pittsburgh has – well, Mike Tomlin has consistently put running backs in that third down – three down back role that have been electric. I think James Conner is an anomaly in that holdout season with Le'Veon Bell. But you look at Le'Veon Bell, you look at D'Angelo Williams, like they have had some running backs that can produce. Mm -hmm. And so for Cam Akers, I would love to see that guy in golden black, and I would love to see him run the ball the way that he did in Florida State. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's definitely a ton of opportunity there if James Conner will just get out of the way. Um, that offensive line is always good. They don't have Mike Munchak there anymore, who is the offensive line coach. He's a going to be a Hall of Fame off, offensive line coach. He's actually in Denver, which could mean something for Melvin Gordon, but that we're not going to talk about that right now. Um, I think for me, for running back, I think I would love to see. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna cherry pick Kansas City here. Let's just let's just leave Kansas City. You know, yeah. they're on the tree to ripen until whenever they're ready to take a running back, not force their hand. Um, I would love to see DeAndre Swift in Miami. That would be fun. You know, and I think um, it, I think that Brian Flores, the coach in Miami, isn't going to stick so closely to what Bill Belichick did in, in New England hmm. and just have a just a running back carousel. You know, it was a it was a trope that a running back would get Belichicked. You know, yeah. it's like he'd have a great Jonas Gray. You'd have yeah. a you'd have a great game, and then you know or. For example, LeGarrette Blunt having like what seventeen rushing touchdowns yeah. three years ago. Like, what is with that? It's LeGarrette Blunt. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't think I think Brian Flores is much more logical than I think so Bill too. Belichick, and I think that he's going to understand where the talent is on his roster. I agree. At the running back position, absolutely. So, so DeAndre Swift, I think he has a very similar season to Miles Sanders. Okay, I can as see a that. Rookie. Yeah. And um, I think by year two, with Jordan Howard, like they. Look, Jordan Howard's on a two-year contract. They can get out of that contract pretty quick. After one year, yeah, with very little dead money, yeah, toward the cap. So DeAndre Swift, you know, if he's in a spot like that, you know, where you know, let's not act like the Dolphins are going to be contenders. They're not. Yeah, they're going to be playing from behind. They're going to have tons of opportunity for DeAndre Swift to showcase his receiving prowess. I think that that's going to be that's going to be what his role would be in Miami. So uh, it's it's. Kind of a you know maybe it's tired, a tired take to some people that DeAndre Swift would go to the Dolphins, but I think that that it's a perfect fit for him, mm-hmm. and I I really do think that by year two he could be you know the guy you know agreed yeah, I think he'd be the guy in year one really I think with so Jordan too. Howard just handling the the red zone goal line work probably vulturing a few touchdowns you know but you know we're in the NFL we're we're, we're trending toward we're already there toward running back committees and if you can get a 1A 1B situation out of a rookie that's fantastic yeah you want that on your roster that's what you want yeah. now, obviously you want the workhorse you want the three down bell cow um, any chance you can get and they're rare and you want to stash guys with those body types on your bench you know yeah you know but John J. Swift he can do it he's a phenomenal pass catcher and I think he fit perfectly in, in Miami I agree so what about your wide receiver I think, you know, I think with wide receiver, I've got, there's so much that you can do at this position this year in the draft. I think, I would love to see the Baltimore Ravens, okay, I know that they're probably going to draft Patrick Queen, they're probably going to draft Kenneth Murray, one of those linebackers with their first round pick. I'd love to see them take a second round wide receiver and, and go opposite of Marquise Brown. I think that one of the things that the Ravens have not done well in the past is draft wide receivers. But one of the things they did do last year was draft Marquise Brown. That was a good call. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see them take a chance on a player like Brian Adams, Michael Pittman, T. Higgins, who's kind of an opposite of Marquise Brown and can handle handle a little bit of the target share and not have to rely on someone like Willie Sneed. And I would love to see them draft T. Higgins in Baltimore, and I'd love to see him develop with Lamar Jackson's ability to kind of run the ball and 
make routes possible for wide receivers. Yeah. And I, ideally, I'd love to see them draft a running back, but I think an ideal situation for me with T. Higgins in Baltimore Ravens uniform next year with third or fourth round pick. Yeah. I'll tell you one, and it's gonna upset a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of owners of a rookie wide receiver last year. Remember me telling you about Debo? Yes. The precarious situation he is in. Yeah. San Francisco 49ers, who went to the Super Bowl last year, yep. held the 13th overall pick. Yeah. You know what that is prime a prime spot for? C.D. Lamb. Yeah, I think that that's going to happen. Yeah. I love C.D. Lamb in a 49ers uniform, and here's why. He is a phenomenal yak receiver, just like Debo, and that is what Kyle Shanahan wants for his offense. Mm-hmm. Agreed. You know? Who else is there? You know, Emmanuel Sanders left. You know, they got Debo, Dante Pettis. They don't like Dante Pettis. Yeah. You know, and you know, I, I like Kendrick Bourne, but he's not. It's, let's not act like Kendrick Bourne's really going to get the opportunity to break out. Yeah. You know, he might. He might be highly efficient, which is what he's done, but he's not going to have an opportunity to see volume. Ceedee Lamb, on the other hand, if they take him at thirteen, that takes that offense. That offense probably wins the Super Bowl last year with Ceedee Lamb on it. I could see that. Yeah. So, especially, well, especially if you're talking about Kansas City Chiefs secondary. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's my that's my dream spot um, for for wide receiver this year. Um, I think it would be just incredible to to be able to watch Ceedee Lamb uh, catch catch passes, catch bubble screens, go across the middle, do what he did at at, um, at OU. That'll do it for today's In My League podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Now we want to hear from you. After all, this is your podcast. Have a question about your roster? Have a question about a trade you're considering? Want to know Josh's favorite player on Madden 2020? Hit us up. Josh, where can you find us? You can actually find us on Twitter at capital I, capital M, capital L, underscore podcast on Twitter. So that's IML podcast in my league podcast. Go ahead and give us a follow. Go ahead and actually click the alerts tab on the Twitter page that if we say something or if we post something or if we have uh, an answer to a question that you've sent us, you can get the notifications right away. Also, feel free to follow us on Podbean. If you don't have the Podbean app, go ahead and go down there. You can listen to us there. You can listen to us. Uh, you can listen to us on iTunes or on Google Play Store. And we would love to hear from you guys. So feel free to subscribe in whatever aspect you're listening to us, and feel free to leave us a comment and let us know what you think. Until next time, this is the In My League podcast. It's your league. It should be your podcast. I love that. Thank you.